welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Uh, my name is Micah, if we have not met, and I'm the lead pastor here at Awaken, and I have the privilege of introducing somebody this morning named Sinead uh, for uh, something we've been doing for the last three years, I was informed today. I thought it was two, but it's actually three, or you could do three this way if you'd like. Three, three, or three, either way, anyway. Sinead, without any further ado, why don't you come and share about Team World Vision? Thank you very much. I'm going to sit down. I am uh, so excited to be here at Awaken this morning because I have the privilege of announcing, as Micah said, for the fourth year, we're going to be launching our 2015 team to run the Minnesota Half Marathon in August and the Twin Cities Marathon in October. All right, now, some of you are like, yeah, yes, you're lighting up because running is your thing. So you get to combine something that you love right? Something that you're going to be doing anyways to serve the needs of the poor. And some of you are lighting up and you're getting excited because maybe you've ran with Team World Vision before, or you've known others like Kaya who have ran with Team World Vision before, and you've seen it change their life. Not only did they accomplish something that they never thought they could, but they dramatically made a huge difference in the needs of some of the poorest children in the world. But some of you I heard saying, "Uh uh-uh, you're checking out, because running is not your thing, okay? You guys are the ones that I can relate with the most, really. Five years ago, I was not a runner. Five years ago, I hated running, hated it, and I had every excuse in the book on why I shouldn't do this, okay? I've got three busy kids, a full-time job, Who has time for exercise? Who wants to do that? Not me. But beyond that, I was on year five of being diagnosed with depression. So it was really easy for me to say, I don't want to do this. But God had something else in plan, in mind for me. Okay, despite my hatred of running, I felt like I was supposed to do this. And so I said yes. What I didn't expect was the change that I was going to experience. Physically, yes, obviously, right? But mentally and spiritually, it changed my life and drew me so much closer to the heart of Jesus. So that's the first thing I love about it. Uh, But there's two other things that I just love about what we're doing. The first one is our team. I love the community of people who are on Team World Vision. I love these people. Last year, 80% of the people who signed up to do this, 80% brand new to running, never ran a race in their life, and they decided to take this on. They used our um, beginner's training plan and our group runs that we do every Saturday morning to get off the couch and to a finish line of a marathon. It's incredible. It is. It's amazing to watch. But the second thing that I love about what we're doing is the cause. We're fighting for clean water. Right now, somewhere in the Horn of Africa, there's a child who is getting up and walking three to four miles on average, trying to find water for her and her family. That's her chore. And while she's out there trying to find water, she's completely vulnerable. She's basically defenseless to predators, whether that be wild animals, 
or man. Right? We hear a lot about human trafficking these days. Sex trade, kidnapping, rape of women and children. But what we often don't hear is one of um, lack of access to easy, lack of easy access to water is one of the greatest sources of human trafficking on the planet. But what's worse than that even is that the only water that this child will find is dirty water. It's water that's contaminated with bacteria and diseases. It's the same water that animals are using to drink from and bathe in and use the bathroom around. Sometimes animals drown and die and decompose in this water. But that's the only water that's available for these women and children. And they're thirsty. That's a hard truth. So this child will scoop up this water and now walk back that three to four miles, now carrying 40 pounds of poison on their back. 40 pounds of water that when consumed will either make them violently ill or could one day take their life, as it does for 1,600 children every single day. Lack of access to clean water is the number one preventable cause of death in the world. Number one. It's taking more lives than both AIDS and malaria combined. But I said it's preventable. We don't need to do the research. We have the solutions. We know how to fix this. So I'm here today to invite you guys to be a part of a, of a solution in a way that you never imagined that you could to step out of your comfort zone and make an enormous difference for these women and children. Now, if you're anything like me five years ago, you've got two things going on. You've got this tug on your heart or you're hearing this voice that's saying, you should do this. You can do this. But you're also hearing this loud voice of shame and fear and doubt, and it's telling you, no way. You can't do that. That's crazy. All I want you to do today is to set aside those loud negative voices just long enough to come talk to me after the service today, okay? We're going to meet right over here, right after the service, and I'm going to do a 10-minute information session and give you all the information that you need about how we're going to do this this year and allow for you to ask me your questions as well. But don't let fear get in the way, you guys. Come and talk to me and hear about how we here at Awake and are going to form a team that's going to make an enormous difference for some children this year. All right? Thank you so much. Thanks, Sinead. Uh, many of you don't know the, the covenant of which we are a part of, uh, the Evangelical Covenant, has a partnership with World Vision and is just doing some incredible work in the country of Congo, which is one of the poorest countries on the planet. Uh, so this is one of the ways that uh, some people at Awaken said we want to do this. This isn't a staff-driven thing. It's just something that bubbled up from the hearts of, the, of God's people. And so we wanted to uh, give you an opportunity to respond to that. So please do, uh, if, you're, if you're interested, or even remotely, remotely, I'll, I'll actually be there at that meeting. I'm remotely, remotely interested <laughs> in running a half marathon. So why don't you guys uh, stand, if you would. We're going to spend some time greeting one another. If you need tea or coffee, it's in the back there. And then we'll uh, study Hebrews in a moment. So.
All right, friends, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open to Hebrews chapter 5. As you do, I'll just uh, make light of a couple of other things that are important. Uh, One of them uh, is the prayer space. If you are new to Awaken, we've got a prayer space right over here. Uh, There are some kneelers over there and some uh, sharpies, which often go together. Uh, We want to invite you to write prayers on the wall. So if if you want to use that space before, during, after the gathering, feel free to do so. That's right over here. And then uh, each, each week, if you didn't know, we have a prayer team that's available uh, after the gathering. So if you have needs for prayer, uh, they would be thrilled to pray with you or for you. Uh, the other two things that I want to just highlight and announce, one of them is this Scott Erickson uh, event that's coming. We've been announcing it the last couple of weeks. And I recognize that this is not a very easy thing to sort of push up the hill because I don't really even know what it is. Um, I, I, I do know that it's going to be great because of, uh, before we started Awake and I went to a place called Ecclesia, which is a church in Houston. Uh, it was a church that I thought was similar to what Awaken could be someday. So I spent a couple of days down there and I got to know uh, Chris and Robbie, the, the pastors who started it, and then Scott, who was on staff there as the artist in residence. And uh, Scott has now moved on to a place called uh, Portland, Pacific Northwest. And, uh, uh, but he, he also does this kind of traveling thing where essentially it's, it's a night where he explores uh, what is it like to, to go through a dark night of the soul, as St. John of the Cross calls it, and to do so with faith and to wrestle with doubt and fear. So many of us, I think, uh, we think that faith and, and faith in God will actually keep us from these kinds of experiences, but what happens when they don't? And so it's live art and storytelling, and I think it's going to be a really, really, really exciting night. So I want to invite you to be a part of that if you can. It's uh, next Sunday night right here, 7 o'clock, uh, $5 suggested donation to help us cover the cost. And then last but not least, Todd Twyman, and many of you know Todd, who is here somewhere. I saw him just a minute ago. There he is right there, Todd. Todd does holy yoga every week. He leads that, is an instructor for that. And um, I mentioned things that bubbled up from the community, uh, and this is one of those things. Todd has a, a daughter, uh, Todd and Karen have a daughter who started a nonprofit called Uplift, and essentially um, they work to combat uh, online sexual violence through advocacy and education and awareness, and Todd wanted to do a fundraiser for that, and so um, he's hosting this Holy Yoga slash fundraiser event. That's going to happen right here. In fact, you all are sitting in the places, so just you know, bring your yoga mat next week or Thursday night, and you'll do it right here. Uh, Josh Peterson is going to be playing uh, music at that. And I wanted to highlight that personally because this, again, this is not something that the staff at Awaken is driving. This is something that is bubbling up in the people at Awaken, and that is what the church looks like. Amen? So if you, uh, if you do yoga or if you don't and you want to come and at least just relax and listen to Josh, feel free and, and ho- help, uh, help raise money for that. So those are a couple of things. Uh, lots of things in the Awaken Weekly and on our website, which is awakencommunity.com. <laughs> what is that ad? Tra- it's like a tra- travel. I think it's travel. Dot com. Expedia, that's it. Thank you. We were, we, were, we were hovering right over. We're like, we're in the, we're in the right zone. But it's like, ah, it's not quite it. All right, friends, if you have your Bibles, uh, Hebrews 5, I'd ask you to stand as we read the scriptures, and then we'll jump in here. Hebrews 5, verse 11 says, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. 
maybe better translated justice. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Verse 7. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Pray with me. God, as we gather this morning in this place, we, uh, I, uh, I'm still just a little uh, tickled every time we do this to see this, this blessing, uh, to be in this space. God, we're grateful. Uh, I pray that you would continue to, uh, to lead us to be that which is out in front of us. I pray that your voice would be the loudest in the room every time we gather. Um, God, I pray that when we do gather, that we would do something that we, can't, we can only do when we're together, which is collectively lift up our voices and say yes to the invitation uh, of you. So as we study, God, be with us by your spirit. Teach us what it means to be your followers in the world. And uh, challenge us, God. Invite us to who you've called us to be, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. Um, so this passage is an interesting one, and it could be, I could take it in a direction, you know, uh, right at the end there, this talk about being burned and things, you know, like sort of hellfire and, and, and brimstone, which I'm not going to do, surprise to no one, um, because if, if you, this is, you could really enter a conversation about can one lose their salvation, if this is something you've ever heard before. But in order to do that, you really have to go back to Romans 5 through 8 and dig into Paul and Romans, and, and that's not what I want to focus on today. I want to do something other than that that I think is equally as important. I was a junior hire at one point in my life, and like every other junior hire who was in an evangelical church in the mid-90s, we did a mission trip to where? Mexico. Yes, that's right. Tijuana, friends. Any Tijuana people? Anybody been to Tijuana? A few of you, yeah, yeah. Many of you on mission trips, I'm guessing. And so when you put a bunch of junior hires and Tijuana, Mexico together, the shower becomes a very important part of the process. Right? You know what I'm saying? So uh, I, I went to Tijuana as a junior high student, and uh, uh, after the first day of work and sweat and doing what we did, I, I wake up the next morning, uh, which begs the question, why don't more of us shower at night? But that's another deal, right? So I wake up, and uh, I, I'm, I'm headed towards the shower, and I'm excited, you know, a shower, it's great, I'm excited about that. Uh, I walk in, and it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's just a big, huge square room. Which for a junior high boy is a little awkward. You know, your first communal shower experience. Yeah, set that aside. Do that another day. <laughs> so I walk in there and I'm, 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 I'm excited for the shower because I'm expecting this warm, you know, uh, cleansing bath. And uh, much to my dismay, I was met with absolute ice cold water, which was a terrible shock to a youngster uh, for lots of reasons. Um, but 
so I'm standing there and I'm expecting this hot, warm shower. And what I get was a bucket of cold water over the top of my head. And this passage in Hebrews chapter 5, as much as you might think it isn't, I think is a lot like for these people, a bucket of cold water over their heads. For, for the first four chapters, we've kind of been coasting along and hearing from the author about these technical things, about Jesus as the high priest and all these different sacrificial things. And then all of a sudden, in, in the form of a very frank conversation about maturing and growing up, the author just sort of dumps a bucket of cold water on their heads. Uh, I, recently, a few years ago, I went to my 15-year high school reunion. These are awkward events, are they not? Just very interesting, very interesting, for lots of reasons. My social group was more connected to my youth group at church, these people I went to Tijuana with. And, uh, and so I go to this 15-year high school reunion, and it, it was as if I had been teleported from like 1995, uh, a Halloween house party on Lexington and Selby, to, to 2000 and whatever it was, and no time had passed. And there was, there was this group of people who were having the same conversations that they were having at the house party in 1995. Do you know what I'm talking about? You've been to this event, right? And you kind of just stand back and you're like, hmm, interesting, interesting. Wow, that is occupying the same space on the social ladder, same kinds of interactions where some people are cool and some people aren't, and everybody's kind of trying and vying to get in there. And it's as if a group of people just never moved on and never grew up. And this passage is addressing the same thing, where a group of people have never sort of moved on or they're not moving in faith and in their relationship with God, but rather they're sort of stuck in 1995 at a Halloween house party. I'm adding my own commentary here. So I've entitled this sermon Cold Showers and High School Reunions for those reasons. Uh, Yeah, I I usually don't share the titles of my sermons, but this one I thought was, yeah, I liked it, so hey. Cold Showers and High School Reunions. Oh, that's good. That's really good. So this passage has two parts, really. The first part is the expectations that the author has for this church, for these people who follow Jesus. And then the second is uh, an invitation beyond the, bear, the, the fundamentals, as it were. So are you ready? Okay. Kieran, dim the lights. Here we go. American Idol? Anyone? American Idol? No, that's old. Old news. The voice, is that the new thing? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Sydney. Appreciate that. Now American Idol references. Check. All right, part one. Uh, I would say it this way. Maturity is the expectation. Maturity is not the abnormality. Maturity is not the anomaly. Maturity is not the exception. But rather, maturity for this author who's writing to a church just like ours is the expectation that he has. He comes out swinging in the first couple of verses there. And says he has so much to say to these people about Jesus as the high priest and all these different things he wants to talk about, but he finds them stuck, not moving from the last time he was with them or taught them. Uh, He says that many of them should be teaching others by now, but are still receiving. They're still consuming. And he uses this analogy of they're still nursing and drinking milk. Now, if you're wondering if this analogy is, in fact, what you might think it is, it is. But for the sake of children in the room, we'll leave it right there. But he says to them, you're still nursing. You're still drinking milk when you should be eating solid food. Do you guys remember uh, Matthew McConaughey was in a movie called Failure to Launch? Do you remember this movie? Yeah, yeah. He plays this, like, 30-year-old 
who has no job, has no ambitions, has no plan to get out of his parents' basement. He has like nothing going for him except that his mom still folds his underwear for him. And now there may be some of you here who still live at your parents' house, and I'm probably not speaking to you because I know many of you have jobs and you have plans and you want to like be a, a differentiated self in the world who has something to offer. But if you don't have a job and you don't have any direction and you don't have any ambition and your mom does still fold your underwear, then I might be talking to you. But these people, like, there's a failure to launch. There is no movement. Like, it's as if they've never left home spiritually. And the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, friends, this thing is a process. It's a journey. Like, come along on it with me and move and grow and learn and deepen your faith. He makes it very clear that the expectation for people who are following Jesus is maturity, is that they would be growing. It's the goal. Growth is the expectation. Movement from milk to solid food. Progress from always receiving and always consuming towards eventually being led and leading others. The goal is knowledge and mastery over the basics so that you can teach and lead others. So you can go deeper and further and more intimate with, with God and in faith. That's the goal. That's the expectation. So this first part, it's a challenge. And it comes out of nowhere in the passage or in the book to a group of people who are just like us. People who are trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus, who are a part of a community of faith. And so maybe there's a word for us today. I think some of us are, are in the same place we were 10 years ago spiritually. And I think that the author of Hebrews would say, lovingly and graciously, but with firm conviction, the goal of Christianity is not consumption. The goal of the church is not to feed you, but that you might grow in faith. That you might actually take the things that you've learned and start offering them to others. This is called leading. Some some say we should always have a Barnabas that we're, someone we're leading, if you know the story of Paul who who led Timothy. We should always have somebody we're leading and we should always have somebody who's out in front of us. This is just, take spirituality away from the conversation. This is just wisdom for life, people. That we should be leading others and offering something to those who are maybe not as far along on the journey as we are, and we should be receiving from someone who's further along. It's just wise counsel. So the goal and, and the exhortation that the author gives is, listen, friends, if you're not moving in your faith, that's a problem. And he wants to encourage and exhort them to take a step towards maturity. So that's part one. Part two He says, essentially, we don't want to keep laying the same foundation that we've been laying all along. And then he goes through a few fundamentals, right? So he he mentions this in the second part of this passage. And the fundamentals are essentially this. We'll put them up on the screen here. Um, He talks about repentance from acts of death. Repentance is is a word that just means to turn around. So he says, listen, we shouldn't have to keep coming back to the fact that basic to Christian faith is the idea that you turn away from things that bring death and you turn towards things that bring life. So if there's something that you keep doing that keeps leading to the same place, which is death or not life-giving, basic Christian idea, turn around, go the other direction, and have people in your life who help you do that, right? 
repentance from acts of death, and then faith towards God. This is very simple. If you're a person of faith in Christ, your faith should be towards God and not towards things that are other than God. For example, a job or a a, a possession or a person where we put all this trust and stock in something else that we think will pay out, that we think will make us happy, that we think will fulfill us when in fact it doesn't. It never does and it never will. This is basic. You see, we shouldn't have to keep laying this foundation. Baptism is this idea, this picture of death to one kind of person and life to another kind of person. Basic idea. And then when that happens, you enter community to help live that new life out. The laying on of hands, which you've heard about in the scriptures before, this was an act that they would do to essentially say, welcome to the community. So he says, we shouldn't have to keep coming back to this. This is basic. And then resurrection. Gang, I cannot tell you how many people now I'm talking about me, maybe not the author of Hebrews, but how many times you ask somebody, hey, what's the point of Christianity? And people say, well, heaven, after we die, right? I mean, that's kind of the point. That's the whole, that's what the whole thing's about. If I could take this music stand and like throw it through a window, I would right now because it is not the point and it's in the text. 1 Corinthians 15 is an entire chapter which Paul says, resurrection, like new life, just like Jesus, is the point of this whole faith. That a belief that resurrection, that God will put the world to right and resurrect, that we will have lives here, not pie in the sky somewhere after we die, but here in this good world that God made good. If you think I'm crazy, read the text. It's in there. It's basic. And yet so many of us have no idea. I didn't, I didn't know this until I was like 25 How's that possible? So he says, we shouldn't have to keep laying this foundation. And he says, just basically, what does it mean to be saved? What happens when someone says yes to Christ in faith? He says, your eyes are opened. You're enlightened, as it were. That's the language he uses. He says that you get a taste for the heavenly gift, which is essentially this new life, right? Baptism, death to one, new life to another. You get a taste for this new life that you've received. You participate in the life of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God works in you and through you. You see things that you didn't see before. You sense things that you didn't sense. You hear things. Why? Not because you're crazy or hearing voices, but because the Spirit of God is at work in your life. So these are all very basic. The coming age. He says you, 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 you have a, a sense of this new thing that's happened because of the resurrection. Do you remember Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6? He says the kingdom of God is like this. And then he goes through all these different things. This is what he's talking about. A different kind of world with God as king where the world will be put to rights one day. This is the kingdom of God. So the author of Hebrews says, you get a taste for this. You start participating. You start enabling and making happen and helping usher God's good world. We practice for the life we will live one day forever. So these are the basics, people. And his his encouragement is you should have mastery over them and be integrating them into your life, not having to go back to camp every year and get the same experience so you can feel the same high. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, right? So... He's encouraging them to move beyond the basics of faith so that your faith can be filled with depth and wonder and beauty and paradox and mystery and more and more of the divine. Where we begin to hold things looser because we recognize how fickle life can be. 
where we begin to walk, where we want to learn how to walk in somebody else's shoes because we've learned how judgmental and wrong we can be. Where we learn to listen more than we speak because we recognize the value of wisdom. Where we learn to ask big because we've seen God work. Where we learn to let others do something that we would have done ourselves because we recognize experience is a good teacher. Sometimes pastors talk about, like, if nobody was in the room, this sermon would be just fine if I were speaking it only to me. And that is absolutely the case this week. God has sort of, like, put a mirror in front of me and said, hey, Micah, let's, make some, let's take some steps here. Let's make some movement. So if you feel like I'm singling you out, I am not. I'm only speaking to myself, and I'm glad you're here too. Now, a couple of thoughts on maturity as we wrap this up. If you're just base, like, what are we talking about here? Maturity, growth, movement in faith. A couple of thoughts on that. One, maturity takes intentionality and effort. To mature in faith takes intentionality and effort, right? To run a marathon, you have to actually practice. You have to train. You have to work hard. My grandpa used to say anything worth doing or worth having is worth working for, right? You've heard this before? That's good counsel. Richard Rohr, this guy, uh, Franciscan priest, wonderful man. He has this, this place, it's called the Center for Contemplation and Action, which is kind of an interesting title, right? Usually when you think about contemplation and like meditation, you think about monks who sit around and don't do anything all day, right? Or when you think about activists, it's always somebody who's moving and doing something. And what Rohr and others have come to learn is the wisdom that stopping long enough to listen and contemplate is important so that you can move and act in the world informed by what you've learned. So thinking and contemplating and meditating and then so that one might act differently or choose differently. So let me stop for a moment and just get very practical. For you this morning, what's one thing that you could do to grow in your faith, to mature, to take one step towards maturity, to move from drinking milk spiritually, if that's maybe where you are, towards growing up and maturing? What's one thing, what's one intentional thing that you could do? Maybe it's running a marathon. Maybe it's some kind of discipline that you might install in your life. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's yoga. Maybe it's silence. Maybe it's something. But what's one thing? Maybe it's intentionality around conversations with certain people. So you put it on the calendar to have conversations with those people. Intentionality and work. Maybe it's purposefully learning to be a better question asker. Do you have people in your life like that? When you're with them, they just ask the greatest questions. And how many of you just long to be with them? What if you made moves towards being that? Maybe it's leading somebody else. Maybe it's taking a huge step of faith towards, you know what? I think I have enough to pass on something. That's not just for people with seminary degrees. It's for the church. It's for all of us. So, 
Maturity takes intentionality and effort. I'm going to skip those circles if you've got them back there, guys. I'm going to jump to second and, and, uh, in terms of making this more practical. Uh, pain and growth are totally normal. When you think about maturing and you think about growing in your life, whatever area, whatever sphere you're talking about, whether it's work-related or as a parent or in your spiritual life, pain and growth are completely normal. We have three children. You guys know this. You've seen them. You saw one of them running through the... Did anybody see that with the cap on? I was like, Lyndon, what on earth are you doing? You know, coming to just have a little chit-chat with Kate, you know? Like, Jeez Louise, you know? Give them an inch, they take a mile. Anyways, uh, we have children, three of them, uh, and, and one of the responses, you know, they get up at night sometimes, you put them to bed, and you're like, oh, thank the Lord, a little bit of quiet, and then you hear, no, come on, and they come downstairs, and there's all kinds of different reasons for this, right, I have to go to the bathroom, didn't you just go to the bathroom, yes, but I have to go again, one of them, they come down the stairs, and I've heard this before, like, my legs hurt, to which you're like, did your sister beat you with a bat? Or, you know, like, is there someone up there who's doing something? Like, what is happening? But of course, we know that these are what? Growing pains, my friends. Growing pains. Why, you say? When something grows, what held it previously has to expand and sometimes be shed. And friends, this is often a painful, sometimes bloody, difficult process. Maturity and the process of becoming involves, always involves a degree of pain. And friends, we are averse to pain. Culturally, there are studies on this, and it's fascinating. You look at other cultures and how they view pain is very different than us. We say, give me the pill. Where can I sign up? How do I make it go away? Pain actually refines. And pain can empower. Pain can change you and transform you. Pain and difficulty in becoming is normal. So if you're in that place and you maybe you're like, why am I so averse to this? Why do I not want to move in that direction? Because you know it's going to cost you something. Pain is totally normal. Totally normal. So in the process of maturing, in the process of becoming, in the process of growing, you have to expect that pain will be a part of that because to emerge, to become, to transform, to change, something has to be shed in order to receive what's coming. That's just the way it works. It's always been that way, and it will continue to be that way. Pain, growth. I had this pastor in Colorado, first guy I ever worked for. Very interesting fellow. He had sayings that he was known for. One of them was, sin makes you stupid. Which I think he's actually right on that one. I'm pretty sure. And then another one was, healthy sheep grow and have more sheep. He was a very simple, simple fella. (laughs) Listen, guys, healthy things grow and expand and flourish. Things that aren't healthy shrivel up and die. You as an individual, you are not who you once were. Five years ago, 
you're not the same person that you were. I mean, just physiologically, like chemically, like the atoms, that's a whole, that's a very interesting conversation, but you're not the same person that you were five years ago. You are not the person you will become five years from now. You are a verb. You are a growing, becoming, morphing, learning thing. So growth is actually completely normal and should be expected. When things don't grow, they die. As a couple, if you're married, you are not the same couple you are the day you got married. So don't spend time at the table wondering, oh, can we get it back? What happened to that? It's gone, okay? (laughs) Forever. Because you're not the same couple that you were when you got married. You have changed. You've grown. And God willing, you have. That's a good thing. And you're not the couple you will be five years from now. The key is, and this is wisdom, I'm only 38, but I think this is a good one. The key is to grow together as a couple. Because when one of you grows and the other doesn't, Houston, we have a problem. You're not the same couple that you were. You're not the same couple that you will be. Growth is totally normal and should be expected. This church is not the same church that we were when we started. We're not the same church that we will be five years from now. God willing, we will grow. We should grow. You, I, should be growing as individuals, which collectively means we are growing. Now, for many, change is experienced as loss. Always. It doesn't matter what it is. You just won the lottery! Oh, but that means I can't have... Change is always experienced as loss for some. And so I want to just put out there, as a community, that this is a new space. It's brand new. For many, this is like, yes! You know, they come in the door like, oh my gosh, look at this. This is so awesome. And for some, it's like, oh, you remember how small and intimate the joke joint was and how you knew everybody and you could see everybody's faces? I can't find anybody anymore. It's totally normal. It's to be expected. But to stay the same is to die. The whole point of this is growth. That we would be going deeper and further and more into ourselves, who God has made us to be, this community as a church, in our relationship with God. But it takes intentionality. It takes sometimes pain. And so I want to just invite you this morning. Uh, I'm going to invite the band to come and we'll, we'll close with, uh, I think, one of the most beautiful hymns ever written. But before that, I want to invite you to a time of silence. And I want you to think about this one question. So guys, if you want to come and make your way up. The question is this. What is one thing? What's one thing that you might feel and people always talk about, like, I felt like the Holy, I feel like the Spirit led me, or I felt like I heard the word of the Lord. Have you ever heard this before? For some in the room, you might be thinking, that's kooky, and it's a little hokey, and how do you know? Let me just offer the possibility that sometimes God's word sounds like your own voice in your heart. Sometimes God speaks through this, what was it, Elijah, the still small whisper 
Sometimes we feel it like a tug, and we just know that we know. For me, sometimes it's like uh, electricity. It's like this thing that's there that wasn't there before, and I've come to know that that's God's voice in my life. So in this time of silence, I believe that God is wanting to communicate, to speak to us, to invite us, to challenge us, to become more and more and more the kinds of people that he made us to be. And so I believe that that's an assumption that I start with. And so in this time of silence, I'm assuming that God wants to speak, that God is speaking. So I would encourage you to think of this one, one question. What's one thing that I can do to move towards maturity, to move towards growth in my own life? One thing. I would encourage you to write it down. I would encourage you to tell your spouse if you have one or your significant other. I would encourage you to tell people in your life group if, you ha- if you're a part of one. What's one thing that you might feel God or whatever you call it <laughs> leading you to do this morning to mature and grow? One step to a time of silence and then a prayer through song as we close. Let me offer a word of prayer and then usher you into that. God, this morning we trust that you are speaking, that you have spoken so definitively in Jesus, revealed to us who you are, what you look like, what you sound like. And we trust that, I trust that you are still speaking, that you want to communicate to us, that you want to be in relationship with us. And so right now, for the next few moments, we want to offer ourselves to you in authentically and vulnerably as we can to ask this one question. What's one thing that I, I can do to grow and move towards maturity? So, God, would you speak, I pray. Sometimes the Bible has a way of just going right for it. And I'm always very hesitant, cautious, uh, speaking those words because they're often misunderstood. So if you feel like today uh, was a little in your face, I would only say that I am so in your seats with you today. Uh, I have a lot of work to do. I said to my wife on the way home yesterday in the car, I have a lot of work to do. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm so grateful that that's true. You are making us new. You're making me new. So friends, if you're new, really want to encourage you to stop by Discover Awaken. We'd love to get to know you. Um, If you're interested, if your one thing might be world vision and running right over here with Sinead. So if you'd like prayer for anything, right over here. As you go, may you come to see that maturity is the goal that it will take intentionality and it will stretch you. May you experience faith that is widening and deepening and growing and maturing and relationships that are emerging and becoming more and more and more what God intended them to be. May you come to lead others as you are being led. May you find that God is there in every moment, in every stretching, in every becoming because after all, I am who I am. God's name is a verb. 
and so are you. Grace and peace. Love you guys. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.